dear listener, in my third episode, which I published last night, I was narrating an incident experienced by Mr. Louis Nazar, who happened to be a very famous trial lawyer in the early and later part of uh, the last century. Mr. Nazar was in a particular show where a professor was demonstrating his ability to read the minds of the people who were there in the audience. His uh, feats were so extraordinary that uh, he could read the mental instructions given to him by his subjects. Louis Nazar, who was present out there, wondered how he was doing. So he was also amazed, but later on, he could find what the secret was. So in the concluding part of the narration, which is now I'm including in episode 4, you will come to know exactly what has happened or how the professor was reading the minds of the people, actually what the truth was. So you'll come to know about it. Hopefully you'll enjoy the remaining part of the narration. I decided to experiment for myself. I began with a simple test. I asked a cousin of mine to think of an object in the room and to give me mental instructions as I walked around the room in search of the object. Even in my first test, I felt the pull of the hand as I viewed in the wrong direction. Unbeknown to my cousin, his concentration upon his instructions was being revealed in the tension of his hand. I eliminated three sides of the room and was led repeatedly to one wall where the chosen object was. Soon I could select the subject itself, object itself. I learned that high-strung and nervous people were most communicative at times. It was difficult to restrain my laughter at the actual physical tugging on my hand as I reached above the designated object or turned away from it. When I touched the object itself, there was a convulsive approval by the hand, registering success. Yet the subject was totally unaware of the involuntary impulses he was sending for it. Soon I could follow more complicated instructions. Later, I could perform the most startling of the prophecy's tricks, picking a book from many shelves of books and turning to a precise page. After the Hans' excitement had designated the book, I would turn its pages first in general sections until the area had been determined, and then more carefully until the grip of the hand informed me I had chosen the exact page. Then as my fingers slowly passed down the page, I was halted at a particular paragraph by tightening and sudden relaxation of the hand. The look on the subject's face, a cross between sheepishness and what event, sold the verdict. Of course, the professor was not subject to the hesitancy and struggling of the amateur. He almost flew to the selected object. He had developed so sensitive a touch that he could afford to hold a handkerchief in hand, which he held his subjects, and still recognized the involuntary pressure signals which were conveyed. But the mystery had been solved. I seldom talk about it because inevitably I am asked to demonstrate, and one feels rather foolish dragging a heavily breathing, excited lady around the room groping for a designated object 
Anyone can perform this feat, usually others in the room experiment and succeed immediately in the simple tests tried yourself. The moral of course is that all fortune tellers and mind readers are strictures or charlatans. Yet human gullibility affords them millions of frightened, fanatical and superstitious victims, ranging from those with a moronic IQ to those with otherwise keen intelligence. If you wish to satisfy yourself how easy it is to amaze people by reading their poems, try it someday. Observe your subject's reactions while you use standard analysis clashes and trim your sales accordingly. For example, if you are slow to make friends, but when you form friendship, you are loyal and devoted to it, even through adversity. A self-satisfied smile on the subject's face, as if to say, how true, how true should encourage you to extend this line. A stoic expression which says, so far I don't recognize it, but I'm eager to hear more, should cause you to change tag. The latter is unlikely because people love so to be flattered, particularly when a fault is turned into a compliment. So my dear listeners, hope you have enjoyed the concluding part of the narration. Take care of yourself. Dear listener, in my third episode, which I published last night, I was narrating an incident experienced by Mr. Louis Nazar, who happened to be a very famous trial lawyer in the early and later part of uh, the last century. Mr. Nazar was in a particular show where a professor was demonstrating his ability to read the minds of the people who were there in the audience. His uh, feats were so extraordinary that uh, he could read the mental instructions given to him by his subjects. Louis Nazar, who was present out there, wondered how he was doing so he was also amazed, but later on he could find what the secret was. So in the concluding part of the narration, which is now I'm including in episode 4, you will come to know exactly what has happened or how the professor was reading the minds of the people, actually what the truth was. So you'll come to know about it. Hopefully you'll enjoy the remaining part of the narration. I decided to experiment for myself. I began with a simple test. I asked a cousin of mine to think of an object in the room and to give me mental instructions as I walked around the room in search of the object. Even in my first test I felt the pull of the hand as I viewed in the wrong direction. Unbeknown to my cousin, his concentration upon his instructions was being revealed in the tension of his hand. I eliminated three sides of the room and was led repeatedly to one wall where the chosen object was. Soon I could select the subject itself, object itself. I learned that high-strung and nervous people were most communicative at times. It was difficult to restrain my laughter at the actual physical tugging on my hand as I reached above the designated object 
or turned away from it. When I touched the object itself, there was a convulsive approval by the hand, registering success. Yet the subject was totally unaware of the involuntary impulses he was sending forth. Soon I could follow more complicated instructions. Later, I could perform the most startling of the prophecy's tricks, picking a book from many shelves of books and turning to a precise page. After the Hans' excitement had designated the book, I would turn its pages first in general sections until the area had been determined, and then more carefully until the grip of the hand informed me I had chosen the exact page. Then as my fingers slowly passed down the page, I was halted at a particular paragraph by tightening and sudden relaxation of the hand. The look on the subject's face, a cross between sheepishness and wonderment, sold the verdict. Of course, the professor was not subject to the hesitancy and struggling of the amateur. He almost flew to the selected object. He had developed so sensitive a touch that he could afford to hold a handkerchief in hand, which he held his subjects, and still recognized the involuntary pressure signals which were conveyed. But the mystery had been solved. I seldom talk about it because inevitably I am asked to demonstrate, and one feels rather foolish dragging a heavily breathing, excited lady around the room groping for a designated object. Anyone can perform this feat. Usually, others in the room experiment and succeed immediately in the simple tests. Try it yourself. The moral, of course, is that all fortune tellers and mind readers are strictures or charlatans. Yet human gullibility affords them millions of frightened, fanatical, and superstitious victims, ranging from those with a moronic IQ to those with otherwise keen intelligence. If you wish to satisfy yourself how easy it is to amaze people by reading their poems, try it someday. Observe your subject's reactions while you use standard analysis clashes and trim your sails accordingly. For example, if you are slow to make friends, but when you form friendship, you are loyal and devoted to it, even through adversity. A self-satisfied smile on the subject's face, as if to say, how true, how true, should encourage you to extend this line. A stoic expression which says, so far I don't recognize it, but I'm eager to hear more, should cause you to change tag. The latter is unlikely because people love so to be flattered, particularly when a fault is turned into a compliment. So, my dear listeners, hope you have enjoyed the concluding part of the narration. Take care of yourself. Dear listener, in my third episode, which I published last night, I was narrating an incident experienced by Mr. Louis Nazar, who happened to be a very famous trial lawyer in the early and later part of uh, the last century. Mr. Nazar was in a particular show where a professor was demonstrating his ability to read the minds of the people who were there in the audience.
his uh, fees were so extraordinary that uh, he could read the mental instructions given to him by his subjects. Louis Nazar, who was present out there, wondered how he was doing. So he was also amazed, but later on he could find what the secret was. So in the concluding part of the narration, which is now I'm including in episode 4, you will come to know exactly what has happened or how the professor was reading the minds of the people, actually what the truth was. So you'll come to know about it. Hopefully you'll enjoy the remaining part of the narration. I decided to experiment for myself. I began with a simple test. I asked a cousin of mine to think of an object in the room and to give me mental instructions as I walked around the room in search of the object. Even in my first test I felt the pull of the hand as I viewed in the wrong direction. Unbeknown to my cousin, his concentration upon his instructions was being revealed in the tension of his hand. I eliminated three sides of the room and was led repeatedly to one wall where the chosen object was. Soon I could select the subject itself, object itself. I learned that high-strung and nervous people were most communicative at times. It was difficult to restrain my laughter at the actual physical tugging on my hand as I reached above the designated object or turned away from it. When I touched the object itself, there was a convulsive approval by the hand, registering success. Yet the subject was totally unaware of the involuntary impulses he was sending for it. Soon I could follow more complicated instructions. Later, I could perform the most startling of the prophecy's tricks, picking a book from many shelves of books and turning to a precise page. After the hand's excitement had designated the book, I would turn its pages first in general sections until the area had been determined, and then more carefully until the grip of the hand informed me I had chosen the exact page. Then as my fingers slowly passed down the page, I was halted at a particular paragraph by tightening and sudden relaxation of the hand. The look on the subject's face, a cross between sheepishness and what event, sold the verdict. Of course, the professor was not subject to the hesitancy and struggling of the amateur. He almost flew to the selected object. He had developed so sensitive a touch that he could afford to hold a handkerchief in hand, which he held his subjects and still recognized the involuntary pressure signals which were conveyed. But the mystery had been solved. I seldom talk about it because inevitably I am asked to demonstrate and one feels rather foolish dragging a heavily breathing, excited lady around the room groping for a designated object. Anyone can perform this feat. Usually, others in the room experiment and succeed immediately in the simple tests. Try it yourself. The moral, of course, is that all fortune tellers and mind readers are strictures or charlatans. Yet human gullibility affords them millions of frightened, fanatical, and superstitious victims, ranging from those with a moronic IQ to those with otherwise keen intelligence. 
If you wish to satisfy yourself how easy it is to amaze people by reading their poems, try it someday. Observe your subject's reactions while you use standard analysis clashes and trim your sales accordingly. For example, if you are slow to make friends, but when you form friendship, you are loyal and devoted to it, even through adversity. A self-satisfied smile on the subject's face, as if to say, how true, how true, should encourage you to extend this line. A stoic expression which says, so far I don't recognize it, but I'm eager to hear more, should cause you to change tag. The latter is unlikely because people love so to be flattered, particularly when a fault is turned into a compliment. So my dear listeners, hope you have enjoyed the concluding part of the narration. Take care of yourself.